Welcome to the Chattahoochee Podcast, a show where we chat about 90s country music and what it's like to start a band in the mountains of West Virginia. My name is Casey. And I'm Caleb. Let's go boot scooting. Hello, hello. Chattahoochee Podcast, Episode 1, The Allen Episode. Get ready for a G with an O, an O with a D, a T with an I, and an M with an E. That spells good time. We're having a good time. Uh, we're going to get into uh, to some of our favorite Alan Jackson tunes and tracks and uh, where they rank for us on this episode. Uh, you might agree, you might disagree, but that's okay. We can uh, we can talk it out and we can all sit down and enjoy some fantastic Alan tunes. I guess we could start off, we can just tell you guys a little bit about ourselves if you don't know us. I am Casey. And I am Caleb. Me and Caleb have been longtime friends. We've actually been friends for the majority of our lives now, which is crazy to think. But um, yeah, we we were raised in Logan County, West Virginia, particularly Chapmanville. Go Tigers! Can't hide that Tiger pride. No way. And um, I was I've just been recently thinking about how strange it was to grow up around here in the nineties, like. I think Logan County has rich culture, but at the same time, we don't have much cultural variety. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> Does that make true. sense? Yeah. And, um, I mean, I was thinking, I mean, you, you could be on any given day, you could be sitting at the park pool with a, um, with a vanilla milkshake from the, the little stand that's burnt down at least twice, and they're just blaring Savage Garden to Kid Rock to all that good stuff, you know? All that cultural richness. Yeah. <laughs> nothing nothing but golden in that era. <laughs> and um you you all that you know is what you heard on the radio. Like we were the last bunch to kind of be raised on the radio. You didn't just go to a record store cuz we didn't have those. We had an on cue at the Rita Mall. Yeah, if you if you wanted to hear something new, you heard it uh in the vehicle on the way to go somewhere. Uh you heard it in the garage cuz everybody had a radio in the garage. Uh, yeah. In some instances, you'd have somebody that had a battery-powered radio that they would uh, strap down on the four-wheeler and just blare with them where they went, you know? you got to have your music with you. Like I, I didn't know anybody with, with a, an actual CD player for a long time. Like, it was just straight cassettes when I was young, you know? Yeah, I had even had, like, uh, early on listening to music, had, like, a little suitcase that was uh, just wide enough to fit, like, three rows of cassette tapes, and that's where I put all my cherished uh, uh, Alan Jackson tapes, Travis Tritt. Dwight Yoakam, you know. The goods. The goods. The goods. Precious cargo. That is precious cargo. It, you might as well have a suitcase full of gold right there. Yeah, yeah, even as a small kid, you know, like not even just sitting in my room and listening, but you know, pop some gigantic D batteries. They're only going to play for about three hours in my little portable stereo and take it with me outside <laughs> and let's jam. <laughs> let's roll. Let's go, girls. Yeah. Let's go, girls. <laughs> So that I mean, that's what I was raised on mainly was this '90s country. I mean, you you've got some like like radio rock and pop and like classic rock that you hear every once in a while, but in most grocery stores or anything like that, they're just playing straight straight '96 point one, The Wolf. They're yeah. playing country, you know. Tell me about the good old days, <laughs> Grandpa. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> and um. So that that's what I was raised. There's a lot of songs that I had no idea 
were covers of other people's songs because oh, yeah. all most of what I heard was like just nineties country. I didn't know uh, Clint Black's Desperado wasn't a Clint Black song. Yeah, I was like that that Clint he's got it going on. Beautiful songwriter. You know. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, man, that's good. That's good stuff. And then uh, just like uh, Travis Tritt and uh, Vince Gill, their Eagles covers. I didn't know those were Eagles yeah. covers. And I mean, until this to this day, I still like their version better than the actual version. Yeah. You know, like our vehicle radio in my uh, anytime I rode around with that, it pretty much stayed. You know, like there was you could have had five presets, but they were probably all ninety six point one. I've uh, I have vivid memories of um, of being. Like going camping at Beach Fork or East Lynn or whatever lake, you know, mm-hmm. and you'd hear like the thunder rolls on the radio. And here I'm like five years old and I'm like, this is the best song I've ever heard. This is, you know, the <laughs> definitive moment for me as a five year old. <laughs> like, I will remember this. And I have. <laughs> I was like, especially I spent a lot of time growing up uh, at my grandma's and I had this uncle who just kind of embodied, you know, uh, I guess a lot of that era's music anyway, like at all. All around country boy, mm-hmm. long haired, spent time piddling in the garage, uh, in the woods, and always listening to the radio in the garage. And everybody has that moment, I'm sure, in kindergarten where they're, where they uh, ask you, you know, like, what do you want to do when you grow up? Well, my answer was that I wanted to grow a beard and drink beer like my uncle Rick. <laughs> so, like, this dude's cool. He's living a good life. I smell tiara. <laughs> listening to the country music every day. Nothing but proud moments for mom after that, I'm sure. <laughs> she's, she's been proud every day yeah. since. <laughs> so at some point, we, we became youth group kids together at a Baptist church. And boy, did our musical preferences shift a whole lot. <laughs> we, we started out just like just attempting to learn how to play guitars poorly poorly we we had no it it was kind of fun this way but it was kind of embarrassing at the same time we had no frame of reference no like know how to play music like what like how do i plug my guitar in it's almost like you know it's just uh a product of your raising being here too because anytime we played anything like yeah we'll play something it'll be heavier it'll be rock and roll it really just sounded like Leonard Skinner. It was just really bad Leonard yeah. Skinner drifts that <laughs> I thought every song, because like all you heard, like if you heard rock music, you heard a lot of Skinner. Yeah. You might have heard a little bit of Metallica. So I, all I'm thinking is, I guess every song needs a guitar solo, and I guess every solo needs a wah pedal. And I was wrong yes. about both of those things. <laughs> Turns out <laughs> we were just we were playing. Um, we we played a lot of churches. We were talking recently. We we probably could have made it on the the revival circuit. We played a lot of revivals. A lot, yeah, <laughs> on a regular basis, all the time. I guess uh, eventually we got to where a few people liked us as far as a band. We were called No Vacancy. Yeah, you could call two people a few. <laughs> you could call two people a few. We we had a top eight on MySpace, and mm-hmm. we knew at least a couple of them. Yeah. <laughs> we uh, so we we were the best band in our high school because we were literally <laughs> the only band in our high school. Nobody else like played guitars really. So we were just we were we were kind of just figuring it out as we went. Yeah. Anybody that uh, typically we encountered that were, you know, typically played or came from a more um folky or bluegrass background as a lot of people do from around here. Mm-hmm. So it's always a weird fusion too and just us learning instruments and playing music. It's like, well listen to like, you know, 
mostly country my mm. whole life. Like, yeah. let, me try, let me figure this out and yeah. play rock and roll. <laughs> yeah. The day that I figured out how to play a bar chord, I was like, whoa, this is different. I've never heard one of these before. Big brain, watch out. <laughs> we're doing big brain stuff now. <laughs> so we're we're basically just ripping off third day. If you are a... a a child of the early 2000s, late 90s, and you were anywhere around the contemporary church, you have heard a lot of Third Day, and and so did we. A lot of that kind of stuff. So we we were just bad versions of everything that they did. Essentially, yeah. <laughs> so um, I figured it would, be, um, it would be beneficial to go through the core members, because we'll bring this up on uh, future episodes, we had two Zach Atkinses mm-hmm. in our band. So to at that time and still to this day, we refer to one as hair Zach because he always was doing something different with his hair, yeah. whether it was like spiking it all up like the dude from Motion City Soundtrack or, or, or whether it was long or whatever. And then the other one was a preacher. So <laughs> so we we're real original. We called him Preacher Zach, you know. Yeah. It was uh so it was me and you and he and Preacher Zach and Josh, my cousin Josh. He didn't need a nickname because he was the only Josh in the band. Yeah. <laughs> we we had some um really sketchy practice spots. Josh at one point he had this barn <laughs> and um we would practice on the second level of this barn. It had these super, super sketchy Half broken wooden stairs that led up to the second Had floor. Had to assume, you know, it was it was built sometime, you know, what pre nineteen thirty. It looked really old. It, it was really, it was really old. Every time we tried to go up it, because we were packing like guitar amps, like these like little salt like. 50 watt 100 watt solid state amps well, when you first start playing you know if the best way to be good if nothing else is just be loud be loud like as many watts as you can fit into a, a little amplifier yeah. then that's what you were supposed to do because that's what real bands did right mm-hmm. <laughs> every time we showed up to practice there would be one less step until we eventually couldn't practice there anymore because we couldn't get up to the second floor i well, lost another one this week watch out for that one it's a doozy here let me stand here and hand you this stupid heavy amp so we don't have to carry it on this one this one certain step yeah we uh at one point we decided to record our little performance in this uh second story of this barn which um we didn't mention you had to bend down like you were going in a hobbit hole yeah in order to get to the area where we actually set up and played but we would just play in a circle and it was way too small and it was way too loud but we hung a a little handheld cassette recorder thing from the ceiling I'm like man this is gonna sound good like wait till i hit this wah solo <laughs> And I'm sure at that point, we probably still didn't have any of our own songs, but we wanted to hear how good we sounded. So so we just hit play and and went with it. And it wasn't until we we went back and listened to it that we we realized that it was spinning in a circle. And on, on the recording, you can just hear, <laughs> with really bad uh, southern rock in the background. It's kind of like just, you know, like holding the mic next to the four lane and just hearing cars go by on their radio <laughs> playing. Like, That's exactly what it was like. I don't think we ever practiced in a space that was bigger than like 12 by 12 either. No. And I 
I, it shows from my hearing. Trust yeah, my, me, my left ear. If I hear, if I go would go to like a show or a concert or something like that, my, that left ear is the one yeah. that ring would ring the most. We uh, well, the reason being is um, when we would practice at um, Herzak's parents' house, like they had this house next door that they owned, and we would just practice in like that living room, and it was still small, and we were still in a little circle. But um, the, we always had our own designated spot, and my yeah. spot was always right beside Josh, the drummer. Same on the other opposite side. So <laughs> you had his your other left crash. ear, my right ear. <laughs> you you had one crash symbol in your ear, and I had the other in mine, and that is the reason. That no sound dampening in there. You just absorbed it with your <laughs> eardrum. <laughs> if it was getting really really loud, you just open the like the side door, and you just hope for the best. I can only wait to see where my how much more my hearing declines from here on out. <laughs> and that would be the reason. That would be the reason. So uh, so now you guys know a little bit about us, just um, the awesome way that we were brought up in this culturally rich region of Logan County, West Virginia. And I guess now it's time to get into the Allen. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's go time. It is go time. Uh, so yeah, really in starting this, we felt, uh, if we we're discussing, uh, 90s country or the era that is, uh, neo-traditional country, there was no better place to start, um, than Alan Jackson, uh, especially for me personally, I can remember being like, you know, four and five years old and knowing all the words to several Alan Jackson songs. Yeah. Yeah. And feeling every bit of it. <laughs> so if, uh, you've been living under a rock and, uh, you yourself don't know about Alan Jackson, um. Alan was born uh, down in Georgia, raised in a small town. Uh, small town, southern man. Small some town, southern man. <laughs> uh, like most people probably in uh, his time and area, he grew up uh, being exposed to a lot of gospel music and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. uh, and then as he got older, he got introduced to some of the greats like uh, George Jones, uh, John Anderson, Hank Williams mm -hmm. Jr. Yeah. Uh, he even spent some time uh, in high school in a barbershop quartet. I didn't called, know that. That was yeah, awesome. And a band called Dixie Steel, which I believe they said was named after a brand of uh, hardware nails. <laughs> That's so awesome. Pretty good. That's awesome. Uh, but it was around, I think, 1985, um, his wife had encountered uh, Glenn Campbell work while she was working at an airport. Um, and she had exchanged one of her husband's demo tapes to him. And he, in return, had exchanged a business card for his publishing company. Um few months later, he and his wife, Alan and his wife pick up, uh, moved to Nashville. He starts the job as a mail clerk for the uh, TNN network, the Nashville network. Uh, spends his time uh, sorting some mail, playing playing some tunes, working the honky-tonk circuit. Uh, until around 1990 when he finally catches a break and signs a record deal and released his first album, Here in the Real World. And he hasn't stopped. He literally has not stopped. The hits keep coming. Well, what, what is it that you love personally about Alan Jackson? Like, what like as a child, what drew you to Alan Jackson? I guess all I'd really heard growing up was, you know, whether it was like Outlaw Country or uh, stuff within 80s country, some Keith Whitley um, artists in that vein. It just always liked the sound and the twang, you know, it just kind of resonated with me. And for me as a young human, I, I love those songs. I love, I love the sound of the music. I, I love the, the fiddle. I love the still mm. guitar. Like it's just, uh, ain't nothing a, like it. Yeah. Great combination <laughs> of instruments and sounds. And they all like, uh, 
for him too being the he's wrote most of his a lot of his own singles mm-hmm. that he's released and have been really popular i feel like he uh has a way of connecting with people and making mm-hmm. it a personal message and it's um, about some life experience mm-hmm. so it's not just a song itself but more of a right. story with a song something that resonates and people can relate to this guy's seen some stuff and he parties <laughs> obviously he's out here jet skiing in cowboy boots. that was another thing like man it- He's sold. He's pretty cool. This guy is I mean, awesome. Look at that look at that vest and then hitting the, the Chattahoochee River on those uh cowboy boots, just skidding along. Yeah. But with the cowboy hat still on, like this dude is awesome. Seeing that at like five, I'm like, okay, what what choices do I gotta make? What what energy, where do I get How off the I road here there? and there? Where do I get there? Yeah. <laughs> he he always thought he just seemed like a really good dude. Yeah. Like you're not gonna catch Alan Jackson up in some like weird stuff in the news. I mean, like I could see somebody like Garth Brooks, like he could, I could see him being into some weird stuff. But Alan's just an honest dude, you yeah. know. You know, Garth Brooks overall fantastic performer, weird dude, <laughs> kind of a weird, weird dude. dude. <laughs> like if you watch an interview, he he's yeah, a weird dude. cat. He will cry during the interview at some point, and it's gonna be weird. He's just gonna like make those, it weird. You can see in his eyes, he's like. The bodies are under the floorboards. Oh. You can't tell me Chris Gaines didn't murder somebody. 100%. <laughs> but I, I was thinking earlier, too, I'll bet there's some cuss words that Alan Jackson has never even said. He's, he's too pure, you know. <laughs> he's just a good dude. He's a honky-tonk angel. He's a, ton- he's a honky-tonk angel. That's all there is to it. <laughs> I always like that. Um, I always... I always liked that growing up too. Just <laughs> the coolness of Alan. Like he was always in like Dallas Cowboys gear. Cause you know, that was during the same era that they were that gigantic, was, yeah, you know, team. that was America's team and they haven't been since, but they'll try to convince you otherwise. <laughs> so, um, throughout his career, let's see, Alan has sold over 75 million records worldwide. Pretty impressive. That's Holy a lot. Moly. Uh, a few other artists that have fallen within that range, just to kind of give you a comparison idea: Alabama, uh, Bob Seger, uh, Journey, Aretha Franklin, and best for last, Kenny G. Kenny G. <laughs> That's impressive. It's up there with some heavy hitters. Heavy hitters. Uh, between 1991 and 1997, uh, every single that he released reached the top ten at least. Oh my wow. gosh. Wow. As I was going back to look like through his discography for my, my top songs, like every album that he came out with, at least until 99, like, holy cow. Like, there's this hit after hit. And on another each of one. These. Yeah. Yeah. And another one. It, it's, it's baffling to me that, because everyone, like, you hear bands or artists talk about they'll have like a sophomore slump, their second record yeah. won't sell that good. Not Alan Jackson. Like yeah. he just comes up straight out of the gate with the second record in the third and the fourth. Like it, he don't stop. The dude is unstoppable. Anyone that has uh, access to Amazon Prime, there's a great Alan Jackson documentary on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and his first uh, manager even talks about that when he first came to Nashville and they were going through his some of the songs that he had written, that he had had enough songs when he'd moved to Nashville that some of those songs carried into the third studio release. So like <laughs> just hits on standby. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, do you want to get into uh, some honorable mentions before we... Yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, what we're going to do here, and now that we've 
talked up Alan and how wonderful he is. We're going to make it extremely hard on ourselves. And ultimately what we want to do is uh, try and name our top five, personal top fives, uh, Alan Jackson songs, along with a few honorable mentions uh, apiece. And uh, it's going to be no easy task. Because when I first started this, I was like, this will be hard. And I love Alan Jackson. This is going to be difficult. And then I started with like a 30-song list. And yeah. I'm like, how am I going to get down yeah. to five songs? And every every one that you delete or move down, it hurts a little bit. It does. Go, this is such a good song. It's like, I'm just going to put this on a standby playlist. i got to come back to it. <laughs> like, there's, there's one. I'm not going to give away yet. But um, there's one song in particular that I've always been fond of which is uh, Midnight in Montgomery. Mm, so good. It's all about meeting the ghost of Hank Williams Sr. And the, what I remember that from my childhood. Like, that's that's a song that my dad would play and sing a lot. Like, that's a, actually the first time yeah. I heard it was when he sang it. And, which I know a lot of you guys probably won't get the chance or the honor to hear Danny Gore sing Midnight in Montgomery. But if you've been one of the lucky ones, yeah. you know what I'm talking about. It, it hits hard. Or, um, or Spice Girls. Spice Girls yeah. <laughs> on the banjo. banjo. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Oh boy! All right, honorable mentions. Uh, you you want to go you first? Wanna... You want name the first one you got for honorable mention? You want to do three? You have three prepared. I have three prepared. Same. Well, wait. We, oh wait. Before we begin that, we do have a collective honorable mention. That is, it's not a, uh, an actual release from uh, Alan himself on any of his studio albums, but uh, in 94, there was a Keith Whitley tribute album, which a lot of artists got together and did Keith songs and released a few of his unreleased things. And our collective honorable mention is Don't Close Your Eyes. Oh, man. Oh, man. That that might be one of the best. It's definitely one of the best country songs ever written. Totally. And like you hear some artists, they will cover a song for like some kind of thing like this, and yeah. you're like, yeah, I mean, it's fine. I'm but real, gosh, it just don't do always it justice. Really picky about uh, covers, you know, because it's hard. Keith Whitley, it's hard to be the original. Keith it Whitley. really is. He's it really got is such an amazing voice. But I feel like uh, Alan Jackson did such a fantastic job and yeah. making it his own, and also making it sound like a Keith Whitley song. Right. Like um, we were at where we were actually talking. Uh, I think it was earlier today or maybe yesterday about. Um, his covers album, which I'm sure we'll get into. Oh yeah. But like the whole thing is fantastic. Like he does justice to all of these covers. Yeah. You know? There's some great Merle tunes on that. Some great, uh, John Anderson tunes. It's the whole thing. Front and yeah. back. Great. Well, his cover of blues man by oh. Hank jr. And he, he does it like, it's cool because he doesn't like take ownership of the story of the song. Instead of just saying, oh, I'm just a singer, he says, well, he's just a singer. You yeah. know, it's it's, it's just a, talking a, up Hank Jr. The a whole time, retelling you know? of. Yeah, so yeah, that is genius, I think. I thought that was really cool anyway. Oh, boy. Okay, honorable mention number three. And this is this might surprise you. See, before you, before we get started on this, you guys, we, we don't know what the other has picked. So this is uh, this will be fresh. You, Caleb's finding out as you guys are finding out right now, okay? Shock and awe. Shock and all. You're going to be surprised at how low this got down on the list, but it is it is on there. Chattahoochee. What? What? I know. Is it an honorable mention? I know. I don't know how it hit eight spot, but I'm just looking through the rest of these songs, and it's, just, it, it's one of those, I can't keep it off completely. Wow. I mean, you could say we might have based our podcast around it, you know? <laughs> 
dragging it through the mud at number eight. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> All right, what you got? Uh, first honorable mention for me uh, from the debut album here in the real world, Home. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> That's such a... Um, it's such an interesting song. I mean, it just... Like, you don't hear... Especially country artists, not like you used to. You don't hear stories anymore. No, you know? I think in that first album too, you could just—he just had this really prominent uh, southern accent too, that was just so mm-hmm. good. You could hear. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, interestingly enough, that song it released in 1990 on the debut album, but it wasn't actually released as a single until he put it on his first greatest hits collection. Really, yeah. man. <laughs> I used to work a this weird job in college where we just I worked like this mine repair shop and the on, the only cassette that I brought to work with me was here in the real world and I just played that sucker in my <laughs> section constantly. <laughs> I heard that song so many times and I was not at all depressed about it. All right. We'll go down to number two on our honor rules. Okay, here we go. Someday. Oh, it's, I had that in my in a in my list in and out, and it didn't make it anywhere. But it is so good. It is. It instantly starts off the saddest thing you've ever heard. She looked me in the eyes and said, "It's over." That oh my god! And it just it's gets like, sadder from there. You're hooked. Tell me more, Alan. What what happened? Like then what happened? Yeah. Then what happened? I want to know the whole story. Cry on my shoulder, Alan. I can feel it in my bones. Like, <laughs> I'm here for you. I'm here, Alan. I'm six years old. I'm here for you. <laughs> I'll never feel hurt like this again. This is a shared experience between me and Alan Jackson. Alan knows how I feel. <laughs> what you got? Uh, gone Country. Next honorable mention. Ooh, down there. Oh, yeah. my gosh. You got it down that far. Yeah. Oh, man. Also, one of the many songs from 91 to 97 that was uh, in the top 10, but was also a number one hit. Man, what a song. And if you want a variation of that, there's. it was also, you know, the following year it was released, it was uh, covered by Cletus T. Judd <laughs> in a song called Gone Funky. <laughs> there was one year we went down to um, Ashland, Kentucky to watch the 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 July 4th celebration with the fireworks on the river and all that stuff. And Sawyer Brown was playing that night, which, you know, awesome. I had never seen Sawyer Brown, which that was a whole other experience, but opening for him was Cletus T. Judd. And he's a local celebrity, right? In that area. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he, he was decked out in UK basketball gear, like shorts and Jersey and, Kicks and all from head to toe. Probably just got on like a pickup game, you reckon? Or? I guess. He hit the local while on the way yeah. there, I guess. <laughs> man, oh man. You're on your, uh, or to your last honorable mention, My right? Last honorable mention. Cause there ain't no cure for the summertime blues. Summertime blues? Summertime yeah. blues. Man, this is another song that I didn't know was a cover. Yeah. I didn't know for years that that was a cover, you know? Like, and this has been like the past 10 years probably that I've found that out. I think it, it's a great example of having something to compare to for, uh, traditional 
morphing into neo traditional because if you go back and listen to the old song, it's the same riff. It's just they've added some telly twang in there, mm-hmm. uh, added some backing piano here and there. Mm-hmm. It just gives it a whole new life and really, uh, really adds to the vocals. I think. Yeah, it really does. It really does. And something interesting about this song is um, this is a little bit of a blend of the way that I was brought up from the nineties into the two thousands. Okay. There is a, there's a band or a couple bands that this dude was in named Josh Scoggin. Okay. He was in, uh, he started the band Norma Jean and he was in the chariot. Well, now he's in like this rock duo called 68 and they covered summertime blues. Really? Dude, it is crazy. Wow. It is crazy. I'm like, this is my entire like formative years. Yeah. Just packaged into one thing. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> All right, and now we have come to our top five. Oh wait, I had one more. Oh, honorable you did. Mention. Oh, 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 oh don't let me skip you. Um, okay. Last honorable mention. Don't know where you got it, but I bet you got it in there somewhere. Chasing that neon rainbow. Oh, do I ever? Yeah. <laughs> man, oh man, that song is like I remember that song. Throughout my entire childhood, like this, just listening to the story, like every time you hear the song, like you just pay so much attention to the story. And it's essentially just, uh, you know, a mini bio into the look, the look in the into the life of Alan Jackson. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of inspiration in him talking about uh, playing the honky tonk circuits in in Georgia and then transitioning to Nashville and mm-hmm. trying to get there and trying to get a record deal. It's just so good. <laughs> it really is. It really is so good. All right, number five. We're in the top five now? We're, let's get it. Let's get it. Let's okay. do it. I'm a little nervous. At the I'm same little... time, number five, or you just... Ooh, what do you think? We let's could. Just, yeah, listen. first one, top, ready? Here in the real world. Wanted. Ooh! Wanted. One good-hearted woman. Here in the real world. Man. It's tough. It gets tough to pick and like put them it's into like. It's so hard. This is definitively like you know my one through five. But. It. Oh my gosh. Uh, here in the real world, it was. Uh, let's see. It was the first top ten hit for Alan Jackson. Yeah. Uh, and then, man, the sounds in that the steel guitar and and the fiddle song when it starts off, you're like instantly <laughs> like three <laughs> seconds. I'm like, let's okay. let's try this out. Let's yeah. see where this ends. <laughs> that that's one of my favorite things. Like listening back to these. Like these songs, even when I was younger and like didn't like know about music or yeah. anything like that, as soon as some of these songs start, you know exactly what it is. It, yeah. As soon as you're and you know it's here in the or, real world. Fiddle song. It's man, it's so good. Also, apparently, um, in the documentary documentary I viewed, it, they had stated that I guess when they were recording that to put it on the album. Um, it almost didn't make it. They had like finished recording oh for the day. Gosh. The instru- the uh, studio musicians had packed up and were getting ready to leave. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know what? Let's try one more go at that. And that's where they even went with like the lead in with the fiddle, the mm-hmm. traditional fiddle. And then, Man. you know, top 10 hit after that. What a travesty that would have been. Yeah. If that didn't make it. All right. Number four. Don't rock the jukebox. Ooh. <laughs> well, you got number four for me. She's got the rhythm. I got the blues. Oh, my gosh. 
Ah, man, that it's, song was good. It was hard to put it that low because it's really like one of one of my favorite ones. Uh, and in listening to it, I found out something I didn't know was that you know who the songwriters are for that. No, that was written in '91 while Alan Jackson was on tour with Macho Man Randy Travis. <laughs> And they wrote it, and initially they were going to pitch it to BB King, and instead Alan Jackson ended up recording it. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. that is that 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 makes it that much better. Yeah, knowing that, <laughs> that makes it that much better. Don't yeah. rock the jukebox for me is um, like I don't. It's just so clever. Like like lyrically, it is such a clever song, and it goes hard from top to bottom. It just starts out fast and ends strong. And I just love, like, do you remember the original music video for that? Mm-hmm. Like, where they're, like, telling the tell from, like, they're playing in, like, a, a trucker's lounge or something like yeah. that and taking a break. And uh, has the jukebox has the wobbly leg. And <laughs> uh, space bar's like, hey, don't rock the jukebox. But it's also <laughs> the initial lead-in. Mm-hmm. Don't rock. Since that's your uh, four and we're discussing it, don't rock the jukebox is my number three. Ooh. Ooh, man. Don't rock. There's not a whole lot of song because I'm not I'm not a dancer. Yeah, I'm not a dancer. I don't have it in me. I wasn't born with it. But that's one song that makes me want to cut a rug. You know, "Don't Rock the Jukebox" is a 100% honky tonkin' toe tapper. That is that it is. It's um the only other song that I could I could say that would be similar to that would be uh, like Boot Scootin' Boogie. Yeah. Like songs that just make you want to cut a rug, you yeah. know, do dance moves that you ain't ever done before. And when I say toe tapper, I mean like, you know, like not even like, even on your worst day where you're having a bad day, you don't even want to dance. At the very <laughs> least, if you hear Don't Rock the Jukebox, you're tapping a toe, like irresistible. Don't rock the Jukebox. What'd you, uh, what'd you have for uh, number three? Number three, Gone Country. Gone country. I, oh, it's man. way up there for me. This is conflicting me. list. This is like reversed. <laughs> it really is. It really is. Go. <laughs> it's it's another one of those songs that just it tells this kind of of a strange story for a country song, you know? Yeah. But it's so good. Like the the riff of the song. Like I I don't know what guitar or effects or anything that was played on but in my mind it's a telecaster and a chorus bell gotta be a telecaster. just jamming that and that's a, like as soon as it starts you know that that's exactly what song that and is the crying still guitar yes yes man his band don't get enough credit <laughs> yeah oh before i forget because everyone needs to know this exists um uh, don't rock the jukebox apparently also was covered by alvin and the chipmunks what for a country covers album that was called uh chipmunks in low places <laughs> could you imagine sitting through that it. without wanting to jump off a bridge i never knew that existed i didn't either now i do know that um that they teamed up with alan on honky tonk christmas yeah which um i used to spin that one a lot man, i had that one on an actual man, record that's good i'll never forget seeing um Whichever one was the single that he had the video for, and the upright bass had a Santa hat on it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they did... Um, I only Want You for Christmas? Is that what it was, maybe? Santa's Gonna Come in a Pickup Truck. That's the one, okay. When yeah. he visits you and me. Yeah. <laughs> it's a real trip. It is a real trip. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Can't wait to do a uh, Chris- country Christmas session. Man, that, be so that is gonna be so good. There's so much good out there. There... <laughs> 
that'll be another playlist that's real hard to make. You I'm, know, we find like a hundred songs for that. Yeah. They're amazing. Merry Christmas, straight to you. Yes. That's a good one. Man. All right, number two. Number two, you want to go or you want me to go? Well, since we've already talked about it, here in the real world. Oh, yeah, that's your number two? <laughs> yes, it is. Here? <laughs> it, it's such. It, it's a very well-written country song. You yeah, know? it really is. It's like a classic country song. As far as the content and the way it's written and how clever it is, it's just, it's perfect, you know? Truly classic, because it's come full circle to when that used to play as new country on 96.1 when mm-hmm. we were small humans, to now where they play classic country all the time on there, and you hear that song on a weekly basis. <laughs> exactly. Uh, number two for me is going to be Wanted. Wanted. Oh, I just think gosh. it's a beautiful song, other than being devastatingly sad, but just in his songwriting to take something as simple as like, Okay, classified ads. Let's make mm-hmm. this, this the saddest country sounds you've heard. Um, and the dude he co-wrote that with. Actually, also, what else did he write on, was it? Oh, he also wrote songs for uh, Travis Stritt and George Strait. Oh, my goodness. So plenty of hits to, to go around there. <laughs> yeah, that dude's got some, some trophies on the wall there. Gosh, that's good stuff. Hope she comes back. When she reads these words. Wanted. Wanted. <laughs> I don't know why I want to sing it like Scott Stat, but want it. Want it. <laughs> Home and out. <laughs> oh man, number one. I'm stressing out. <laughs> this is heavy. This is weighed very heavy on us. <laughs> you want to go? You want me to go? Oh, I'll let you go. All right, we've talked about this one already. Chasing that neon yeah, rainbow. That's where it was going Chasing to go. Chasing that neon rainbow. That's the ones, uh, and I know I've said this a hundred times already, but as soon as you hear, you know yeah. it's chasing that neon rainbow. It is. Man, What's it that? Is, Daddy want a radio? Well. How long you, ago yeah, was it? How Alan? long ago was it? <laughs> and he told you what? I was rocking it. That line. I was rocking in the cradle to the crowd. Yeah. That is genius. It that is. is so good. That is so daggone it's big good. brain, AJ. Big brain. <laughs> That's big brain under that big hat. And I usually don't like um, key changes in songs. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know, so a lot of times it just feels kind of tacky and cringy and forced. Yeah. Just to kind of I don't know to keep the listener hooked. Yeah. But when Alan raises the key like three quarters Damn of the way through man. the song, yeah. That's so good. It is so daggone good. And of course, if Alan Jackson does it, like yeah. he's going to do it right. Step her on up there, you know. Bring it on up, Alan. Do it. Show us that vocal range. <laughs> well, this has been interesting. I feel like our, our list are just kind of like a, a reversed order almost. Yeah. Um, my number one for me, Chattahoochee. Hmm. It's just too definitive for me uh, as a small person. I, I knew all the words to the song. I sang it constantly. <laughs> That was, that was my favorite. You know, even being five years old, probably not grasping the the full context of those <laughs> lyrics, and just being like, "Yeah, what do you what do you mean, Alan? Like, you got a burger and a grape snow cone? Oh, that you, sounds pretty good. You didn't good, settle, Alan. bud. You didn't settle. Not in my book, brother. You lost the nerd. You went and hung out with the boys. <laughs> like, <laughs> you lost the geek. That how good of a line is that? So settled for a burger and a grape. I dropped her off early, yeah, but I didn't won. go home. Yeah. 
But that's another that that whole music video yeah. is just awesome. Also, just like you know, uh, consuming new music in that way through radio and music videos at a young age, and seeing that music video, you're mm-hmm. like, man, hands down, this guy wins. Mm-hmm. Like absolutely, I, that song won. Um, what was it for? Uh, single in the year, single of the year, and song of the year. I think at the CMAs that year it was <laughs> right, so good. rightfully so. I feel like that is also for me is just like the uh, like he had an album two albums out prior to that, but I feel like that's the one that really kicked it into high gear. Like that mm-hmm. year, there was so much good music yeah. out there. Yeah. That the twang of that riff paired with the fiddle on the back end, man, it's, it's iconic. That can't be like, you can't remake that, you know? Yeah. He said in the songwriting session for that, they'd essentially started with the line way down yonder on the Chattahoochee. And then it just snowballed from there. Into, into greatness. Into greatness. The most beautiful snowball you've ever seen. <laughs> oh my gosh. This. You want to you wanna recant yours from honorable, your like top eight essentially from yeah. honorable mentions down to number one? Yeah, let's do that. Well, I'll let off with Chattahoochee. Someday. Summertime blues. Want it. Want it. Want it. <laughs> Don't rock the jukebox. Gone Country, Here in the Real World, and Chasing That Neon Rainbow. Uh, and let's see, for mine I had, as the honorable mentions, Home, Gone Country, Chasing That Neon Rainbow, and my top five were Here in the Real World, She's Got the Rhythm, I Got the Blues, Don't Rock the Jukebox, Wanted, Wanted. Wanted. You just can't, it's just that good that when it <laughs> when you say it, you just have to do it. And number one, uh, Chattahoochee. Man, oh man, what a, what a couple of lists those are. I feel like there's there's no way that we could, uh, given the, our opposite ends of the spectrum, that we could come together in a in a fuse top five. Mm-hmm. So maybe we take it to the public opinion and let them help us decide definitively. Yeah. Out of what we have, what the the true Alan Jackson top five are. Yeah, we can do it. Um, we can do it from our our Instagram account, our Facebook page. We can hit that poll wide open and just see. We need see what the know. listeners. We need think. your help. We need to know what what you think. We know what we think. We need. We want to know what you think. Yeah. Let's get a definitive Alan Jackson top five hits in there, and our plan is also is what we're going to do is. Uh, once we communicate with everyone and we get a general understanding of what those top five are, we're going to uh, uh, share a, play- a playlist with you guys where we can uh, in- all enjoy those tunes together. And we'll also add in um, any uh, any songs that we were considering in uh, putting together our uh, honorable mentions and top fives. <laughs> it's going to be good. It's going to be so good. I will listen to this playlist myself. In the end, we're all going to be winners because we get to listen to Alan Jackson. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there is no loser. No. There is no real loser in this whole battle. Wanted one amazing Alan Jackson playlist. <laughs> Wanted. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been interesting. Um, it really has. It only made me want to, you know, just immediately listen to more Alan Jackson more than anything. <laughs> I just can't get enough. Yep. Um, so uh, we hope you enjoyed the first episode. We hope you come back for more. Uh, you definitely got to reach out. Uh, catch us on Facebook and Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
be sure when you're listening to come back and let us know. Comment, let us know your favorite Alan Jackson tunes. Uh, make sure you're following on your preferred listening format, um, mm-hmm. Anchor, Spotify, iTunes. Uh, give us a review. Let us know how you like the show. After you guys give us a listen, uh, be sure and look out for the polls. We're going to need your help in deciding a definitive top five uh, Alan Jackson songs for this list. Uh, watch out for polls, questions. You guys are definitely going to have to help us. Uh, more than anything, you know, what we need is uh, wanted you to listen to this podcast. Uh, <laughs> make sure you're not rocking the jukebox. Uh, until next time, be safe out there in the real world. Goodbye. <laughs>